Luke chapter two. I'm gonna do an abbreviated version. Um, I, need to, I need to get something into our hearts tonight. And then we're gonna do some ministry. Um, there's healing here because Jesus is here. There's freedom here because Jesus is here. Um, a lot of the time though, as people who go to church, which is most of us, some of you may ne never have been here before, and if that is you, we love you. You're home, you're family. Um, no pressure, welcome. For those of us who go to church, and I think even for those of us who don't, a lot of us have a certain way of thinking about how God works and what God does. And the older that we get and the more experience we have with the things of God, the more that we expect God to work in certain kind of ways. And we tend to build certain boxes in our own mind for how God works and what God does. Certain expectations. And the interesting thing is that expectation and faith is almost the same idea. The faith is really, here's what I expect you to do in my life tonight. The story I read a minute ago about the person who was really healed from church hurt at revival nights. You know, what they said is, I came expecting God to do something in my heart because I knew there was a problem. Um, the story we read last week about the lady who um, her knee was healed at revival night. The thing she said is, I showed up. I had, I had to get someone to drive me because I could not drive, but I was not gonna miss because I was expecting God to heal me when I showed up. Um, expectation is the breeding ground of the miraculous. And so what do you believe God for? Well, what you believe God for ultimately determines what you experience God's activity in your life as. Um, because God responds to our faith. He responds to our faith. But the problem is when we, when we have certain containers, certain boxes, certain limitations that we put on God, it makes it really hard for us to receive everything God has for us. Some of us put up containers because um, we want God to bless us and fix our problems, but we don't want to give up control to God. And so we have containers even in our own heart. God, you can definitely fix my money, but don't touch my sex life. God, you can definitely heal my broken heart, but don't tell me that I have to do relationships differently in the future. Right? God, please... Heal my heart, it's breaking. Like, give me peace, but don't ask me to serve. So inconvenient, right? And so we put limitations on what God can do in our life, and we cut off our ability to receive from God because we make him fit into our box. But oh, man, I want everything God has for me. I want everything God has for me. I don't care if... I want everything God has for me. I don't want any restrictions on what God can do in my life because I have tasted and seen that he is good. I have tasted and seen that his way is better than my way. What he does is better than what I do. When he's in control, things are much better than when I'm in control. But my God, there's a part of me that wants to fight for control. And so Luke chapter two, you know, Jesus is just born and there is a group of shepherds who are just doing their normal job. And being a shepherd was kind of a dirty job. It was, um, it was kind of a low-class job, in a sense. If you were wealthy or important, you're probably not a shepherd. In fact, 
According to the religious customs, shepherds were unclean. They couldn't even go into the temple to worship God. And so, you know, they were kind of on the outs with God to begin with, according to the religious structure of the day. And so it's really weird that when Jesus is born, the angel does not go to tell the pastors what he had done. Like, God does not knock on the door of the high priest and say, hey, just so you know, I'm here to save the world. And, and this is weird because the Jewish people had been believing for thousands of years that God would send a person who would come to fix the problem in the human condition. It was, they had believed for the Messiah, the Savior, the one who would fix what's wrong. And when God actually fulfills the promise and shows up, he doesn't knock on the door of the pastors or the priests or the people who pray. There's a bunch of shepherds who aren't even allowed to worship. There were shepherds living out in the field nearby, watching their flocks at night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory, everybody say glory. glory. Greek word doxa. It means intrinsic worth, splendor, or the manifestation of God. What's manifestation mean? God being made real to you. There will be some manifestations here tonight where God becomes real to you. The glory came, and you know what they did? Oh, oh my gosh, how wonderful and nice little fluffy angel. <laughs> they were terrified. That is a dramatic word. Do you know because... Because they didn't know what the freak was happening. And so the angel says, don't be afraid. Why does the angel say that? Guys, we have, we, so many of us have heard this story so many times. We lose what was actually going on. This, this story is wild. It is insane. He's like, don't be afraid. Why does he say don't be afraid? Because they're freaking out. Because <laughs> an angel just showed up. All right, I got to go quick. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Because today, in the town of David, which is Bethlehem, a Savior has been born, the Messiah, the one who's coming to fix what's wrong with the human condition. He's coming, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. I know we've heard this. This is crazy. Do you know what a manger is? It is where... Goats and sheep and cows eat. This thing is not sanitary. This is covered in slobber. And not even like people slobber. Like cow slobber. Do you know how gross that is? There was no Purell. And this was not even in a home. This is not in a home. This is where the animals live. I, I know that you have the nice nativity on your kitchen table. So do I. And it is pretty, and it is like painted with like gold-looking paint, and it's all wonderful. And the shepherds are like, and the, and the wise men are like, and Mary is like, you know, and it's all wonderful. Guys, this was gross. M mothers who have given birth to a child before, this is not where you want to have your child. This is not sanitary. There are no gloves or like disinfectants. Like there is... This is not, this is disgusting. There is poop everywhere. 
everywhere. And so the shepherds, all right, the, the, the shepherds, the shepherds are the strangest people that, that God would show up to. I was thinking of like what a modern equivalent of it would be. Just imagine this for a second. In the middle of the night, there's a crew of dudes who work on a garbage truck. And they are at the garbage dump, dumping off the garbage truck. And they smell and they are filthy. And that's where the angel shows up. And the angel's like, hey, the savior of the world just showed up tonight. And the garbage men are like, why are you here? Like, this is the last place you should. Why are you telling us? Like, did you already tell the high priest? Like, you're going everywhere? No, just you. Why? And then the angel says, yeah, the Savior's born. And here's how you'll know the Savior's here. Sent from God, the anointed one, the Messiah. You know, Billy... He's got all those dogs in his backyard. The baby's in the dog house. Sleeping in the dog bowl. And the garbage men are like, what? You mean you could send an angel into the night sky? The multitude of the heavenly hosts could burst into song, but you couldn't find a bed for the savior of the world? He's in a dog bowl? This is weird. This is, this is not how God works. And if I'm a religious dude and I get told this story, do you know what my reaction is? No, you are garbage men. And there was no angel. What did you eat that night? Were there mushrooms in it? Like, this, this is, what are you talking about? And then, and then you know what I do? I know the word of God. And I've got five really good examples that I could pull out to describe to you why it is inconsistent with what I know about God for God to act this way. But that's what he did. And that's how God decided to show up. The shepherds um, advanced the, the verses. The angels broke into song and glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, you know, on whom his favor rests. And when the angels left, the shepherds kind of looked at each other and they're like, uh, did you just see that? Or was I hallucinating? And they're like, no, I just saw that. And they're like, um, we should go down Billy's house to where the dogs are and see if this is legit. And they go. And there was the baby. And they're like, there's poop. There's a baby. And there was an angel. And it's all here. And then they left. And you know why they left? To go tell everyone what they saw. How many people believed them? How many people thought that they were absolutely crazy and out of their minds? Some believed. They brought him back, and it says they were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured all these things in her heart and pondered them. 
And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for, what, for the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. In other words, they were just as crazy as the angel said. And here's what I love about the story, and I don't want the story to become too familiar with us because it is a shocking, insane story. But this is exactly how God decided to show up. And here's what's surprising about the story is that he didn't show up the way we thought he was. He didn't act the way we thought he would. He didn't do things the way we thought he should do them. And honestly, the story's offensive. Don't put the son of God where the poop is. This is disgusting. But this is how God decided to work. I heard a pastor say this week, God will offend the mind to reveal what's in the heart. He did this on purpose. This wasn't an accident. God was not out of options. There was no rooms, you know, at the end. Yeah, yeah, God could have made room if he wanted room. He is God. He made an angel. He made a virgin have a baby. Like, come on. He can do what he wants. But yet, this is how God chose to move. Why did God choose to go to the shepherds? Because this is the very essence of the Savior of the world. That he didn't come to the people who had it together. He came to the people who were dirty. He didn't come where, we're, where our life is pretty and organized. He came to when we are at the garbage dump, trying to dig through the garbage, trying to make our way through life. Recycling the same trash over and over again. He's like, I'll meet you there. I, I didn't need to come to the palace, to the temple. I mean, if he's coming anywhere, he's coming to the temple. That's where the manifest presence of God is, right? Nope. He's not even coming to Jerusalem. But there was a point. He's like, I wanted to come where the poop was. This, this is disgusting. What, what are you? So gross. You know how bad it smelled? I wanted to be there because I needed you to know I'm not afraid of your crap. I'm not afraid of your garbage. I'm not afraid of your stink. I came to meet you there because I wanted to come as the savior to that place. And God will offend our mind in order to reveal what's in our heart. But a lot of us don't like this. We don't like this. You know why we don't like this? Because we want God to explain himself to us before we can accept what he's giving us. We want God to make sense. But let me tell you something about God. God does not think that he owes you any explanations. Some of you are having a really hard time receiving from God because you are hung up on needing God to explain why certain things are the way that they are. In the world, some of you in your life. Why did it go this way? Why did that person break my heart? Why did that business decision not work out the way it was going to? Why am I still single at this age? Why is my kid going through this problem? And, and you are like hung up needing an explanation. And the truth is, can I just give it to you very honestly and bluntly tonight? He doesn't owe you an explanation. And he's probably not gonna go out of his way to give you one. Well, that's not very nice. 
See, the problem is, is that if you could limit God to your understanding, you wouldn't be able to receive what he wants to do in your heart. Because God does not fit in your understanding. He does not fit in your intellect. He does not make sense. And if you want a God that makes sense, you don't really want God. You want a figment of your creation that's on your level that you can manipulate and control with your understanding. And let me tell you, that God can't really do for you what you need. Why? Because he's on your level. You do not want God on your level. You do not want God to make sense to you. You do not want God to be able to be contained within your understanding. You don't want that. You want a God who is higher and bigger and stronger. You want a God who will blow your mind because you want a God who can do what you can't do. But in order for God to do what he can't do in your life, then you can't limit him according to what you understand. So God is not interested in explaining himself to you, but here's what he is interested in doing. He is interested in showing up. He is interested in getting involved. He is interested in showing up in the part of your heart where you need him the most, the part of your life, the part of your mind where you need him the most. But when he shows up, it's probably gonna get weird. And it probably won't look like the last time. God is more interested in showing up than giving you an explanation. So then here's the question. How is your posture to God going to be tonight and in your life? Because in this story, there were multiple different responses, multiple different postures. Not only in the story of Luke chapter two, but also in Acts chapter two, when God pours out the Holy Spirit and weird stuff starts happening. Acts chapter two is weird. We romanticize these things. It's weird. It's just as weird as the baby in the dog bowl. Just as weird. All of a sudden, they were in one place, and the sound of a violent rushing wind filled the place, and what looked like tongues of fire descended on them, and they started speaking in languages that they didn't understand. What? Why? God had a reason. He wanted people to understand that the message of Jesus wasn't limited only to certain people, but it was global. Languages they couldn't, there was a reason, but the people there didn't understand the reason. They're just like, what is happening? This is coming out of my mouth. Like, what in the world is going on? But look at what happened in Acts chapter two. They were amazed. They marveled, saying, how did they know these languages? And then a couple verses later, they were amazed and perplexed, which is not as positive, saying, what the heck is this? There was no context for speaking in tongues. This is something brand new. And there were people, honestly, religious people saying, that's not God. It's not God. It's not God. Also, it's not God born in the dog bowl. Not God. Also, not God to the shepherds. Not God. Also, not God water into wine. Wine? Wine. Water into wine? No, that's not how God works. That's not how God works. And a lot of people couldn't receive what God wanted to do because that's not how God works. Amazed, perplexed, in awe, and then some were critical. They mocked them and they said, these people, that is not God. They are drunk. And Peter does not give a very good explanation for this. They all say, they're just drunk. You know, these critics, they're just drunk. Which tells me that when the Holy Spirit came on them, they were kind of acting drunk. And Peter gets up and he says, they're not drunk. And you know what his answer is? It's only 9 a.m. That's literally what he says. 
You couldn't get this wasted that early. That's his only explanation. You couldn't get this wasted that early. Yay. And then 3,000 people get saved. Come on, let's go. I know. All right, let's go. Oh, sometimes we need the wine of the Holy Spirit to fill us with joy. Mm. All right, so what's your response going to be? What's your posture going to be? Four postures. Number one, awe. Awe. Awe is like, look at what God has done. And that shock, because it is shocking, leads them to worship. How good are you, God? How awesome are you, God? How beyond my understanding are you? Mystery can either turn you off from God or it can lead you to worship. But like I said, there's a lot of mysterious things about God and he is not trying to explain them to you. But he is trying to show up so that you will worship. Oh, which is amazement with worship. Second response is just amazement. So it's like, oh my gosh, but it never moves to worship. It never moves to, you are awesome. You are beyond it. I want everything you have for me. Third response, perplexion, which is like, I don't really get this. What the heck is going on here? Fourth response, criticism. Or being offended. That's not God, they're just drunk. That's not how God works, I know. Criticism. That was true the entire way through Jesus' life. People criticized him. People could not accept it. He went to his hometown to do miracles, to heal people. And people were like, eh, we don't think you can heal us. And his disciples are like, he has been healing people everywhere he goes. And they're like, eh, we don't think he can do it. And you know what happened there in Nazareth? He didn't do many miracles. You know why? People were offended. They said, I know that kid, Jesus. I grew up next door to him. He is not that special. And God couldn't do miracles there. Why? Because they were offended and they were critical. And a lot of us, when God shows up, we're gonna fit, all of us are gonna fit into one of those four categories. Awe, amazement, perplexion, or offense, criticism. And God's not afraid to offend you. He's not afraid to offend you because sometimes he needs to offend your mind in order to reveal what's in your heart. So will you let him? That's my question. Will you let him? So here's my question. Will you be okay with letting God do exactly what he wants to do? Will you be okay with letting God do exactly what he wants to do in your life? What if it doesn't look like the way you want it to? What if you're asking God for one thing, but he actually wants to solve a different problem first? What if you're asking God to fix your relationship, but, but instead of fixing your relationship, he says, let me fix you first. Well, I don't want you to fix me. I want you to fix her. Will you let him do it? Or will you be offended? Excuse me, God. Let me tell you what the real problem is here. God's like, I, I know what the real problem is. I don't need to explain it to you, but I will show up. Will you be, let, will you be willing to let him do whatever he wants to do? Here's, here's why I'm teaching this tonight 
It's not because I'm afraid that everyone's offended today. It's that I wanna break down these walls because I want you to have a certain posture towards the things of God as we head into this season. As a church, as we go through Christmas, here's the posture I want you to have. I want you to be hungry for God. I want you to be hungry for more of God. But you won't be hungry for God if you need God to fit in your box. Will you limit God according to your preferences and your experiences? Well, let me tell you what God did in the past. Let me tell you something about God. He rarely does it the same way twice. Heal the blind man. Let me spit into mud and smear it on your eyes and then you'll be healed. What? This is gross. This is offensive, Jesus. We don't spit in people's eyes. That is disgusting. But he healed them that way. But sometimes he said, be healed, and they were healed. He didn't even touch them. Every single time he healed blind men's eyes, he did it a different way. Every single time. Will you be willing to let God do what he wants to do in your life? And will you be okay if he doesn't do it the way you want him to? My question is, will you be hungry for God? Here's the, cho here's the choice. You can be offended by God when he doesn't do what you want. Or you can maintain the posture of a receiving child. I am receiving from you, God. And I am hungry for what you wanna do in my life. If you are hungry for God, God will move. Jesus said those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. If you are hungry for God, he will show up. If we want a great move of God, which I want a great move of God, a great move of God is always preceded by people who are hungry for him. And hungry in like a desperate way. Like, I'm not leaving until you show up in my life, God. Like Moses, I'm not going forward if your glory isn't there. Our hunger for, for more of God precedes a great move of God. Oh man, I want more of God. I want more of God. But I can be offended or I can be hungry. But if you're hungry, God will show up. The other choice is you can be critical or you can be a contributor. Critical people are judging what everyone else is doing in the room. Judging how everyone else is experiencing God. Judging what everyone else is choosing. And honestly, like the story I read earlier, judging what the church is doing. Just right off the bat, we are not perfect and we will not do everything right. We won't. But here's what we are gonna do. We're gonna pursue everything that God has for us. And we won't always get it right. But that's okay. Because it's not about us, it's about him. Will you be a contributor or will you be a critic? Some of you can't receive from God because you're too busy sitting back watching and making judgment calls about whether or not everyone and everything is going according to your plan. Well, God's probably not gonna operate according to your plan. Last I heard, he had his own plan. And you're probably, you're probably too small to understand his plan. Worship team, you all can come up. We're, here's what we're gonna do. We're 90 minutes into this service and we always wanna bless people and allow people to go into their week after 90 minutes. But we also don't wanna stop what God wants to do. And I believe that God wants to do something great in our lives. And so we're gonna worship.
and we're going to do some ministry. But before we get there, would you just close your eyes for a minute? And would you just tell God that you're hungry for more of him? Would you just invite God to break down your box? Would you just invite God to operate outside of your limits? Those who hunger and thirst will be filled. God, we are hungry for more of you, Lord. God, we are hungry for more of you, Lord. God, we are hungry for more of you. I want more of you.